Welcome to the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relational mastery, and the initiations that that entails, and what the journey looks like and feels like when we open up and let love lead. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. And in today's episode, we are going to dive into a topic that is pretty near and dear to my heart. Also, it's been a you know long-standing theme of my life, but we are going to be talking about the wisdom of grief. Now, this might be a bit of a shorter episode. It might not be. I'm not sure what <laughs> we're going to find out together. Um, so I think one of the reasons why this has been so front and center is because, A, when I work in my containers, it is a very natural thing for there to be phases of grief that come up in these containers because life is going to life and you know we're going to experience loss of relationships, loss of friends and family. Um, that is part of this human game. And then there's also this grief that comes up when we do deeper relational mastery work and deeper emotional mastery work, where we grieve the past that we didn't get to have. And we grieve the relationships that we didn't get to have. And so we will always be meeting grief in some way, shape, or form. And we can't really talk about love if we're not also willing to talk about grief. Because the thing about grief is that it opens us. And it opens us so that ultimately there is more room for love to flow freely. But what happens for a lot of us, because we don't have a lot of grief doulas in the world, people who kind of pave the way and show us how to grieve, or at least at the bare minimum, be able to hold our grief and not push people to get out of it faster than they're meant to. Because that happens a lot, like either distract yourself out of your grief or kind of pull yourself up and like get out of it really fast and get over it. I think that's a big thing, especially when it comes to breakups is a lot of the narratives around it is like, how do I get over this? And the thing is you don't, you don't get over it. You get through it, but you don't get over it. If you try and get over it, that's, you know, there's an element of bypassing to that. There's this element of like, let me just step over this really big thing that's there that I don't want to touch and I don't want to address because it's painful. And let me just hope what's on the other side is better. Whereas the path of going through the grief and allowing it to transform you and to alchemize you and to, you know, rip you open, you know, expand that heart open. And if we are able to sustain that newfound level of openness, What gets to take its place is more love. However, without adequate ushering and guidance and support and mentorship, a lot of people do not know how to grieve. 
They don't even know that it's okay to grieve, that they have full permission to grieve because they are human. And, you know, in my personal social circle, there recently there has been grief that has bubbled to the surface in all of its forms. And it is something that we are continuously touching. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always in like the down of grief because there is, you know, whether it's a breakup or the loss of someone that you love, like there is an inevitable down, a period of time where it's dark and it's murky and it feels like you're never going to come through it. And then, then you start, you start to come through it. And then it becomes more of like this wave of like, yep, I'm going to dip a little bit and then I come back for air. And then I dip a little bit and then come back to the surface for air. And then eventually it does level out. So there's this very wave-like energy with grief. And if we don't learn how to ride that wave, the wave, the current of grief will literally pull you under. So when we get pulled under by grief, a lot of the time it's because we are resisting the grief. We don't want to feel the grief. So we're fighting with reality. I talked about that last week in the episode of fighting against reality. And one of the you know, elements of quantum love is being able to be in right relationship with reality. And so that means when we have these inevitable phases of our story and chapters of our story where grief comes that we, you know, ride that wave. And even if we have resistance to it, if, even if we fight reality, that at least we have the awareness and the bearings to be able to name that we're doing that. Like I'm having a really hard time being with the reality of, you know, my relationship being over or the death of this person that I love so deeply or the fact that I never got to say X, Y, and Z to this person. And, you know, grief is an inevitable part of life. You can't outrun it. You can't avoid it. You can try to numb it. You can try to run from it, but it will always find a way to pull you back under. And, you know, for the people who have numbed out long enough and they think that they have outsmarted grief, what what happens though is that the richness of life gets diluted more and more and more to the to the point where life is totally muted like we don't really see bright rich colors anymore our senses aren't picking up the sensory material around us in the same way that we do when we let life really live and run through us and so there's this almost stagnancy that can happen when we've numbed out from grief for too long. And, you know, there's a very reasonable fear of, well, if I know that I've been avoiding my grief my whole life and I haven't let myself go there, if I do open that portal, I'm going to get swallowed alive. So that's usually the resistance to feeling grief is this fear that we are going to be swallowed whole when 
grief when we open that door. And the thing that I've learned about grief is that it is a wave. Like if I really let myself ride that current and I might be sobbing, like ugly crying, like my face hurts, the muscles in my face hurt, like my body hurts from like heaving this deep emotional energy through, there will be an inevitable point where there is a break in that release. Either I'm so exhausted from that release that I don't have any energy and I need to sleep, or I become so dehydrated from all of the tears that I have to, you know, go refuel and go rehydrate. And nothing is going to come through until that balance in my body has been restored. So there's always going to be a break in it if you let yourself go into it. And, you know, having people around you, whether they're physically there with you, or you just know that they are a lifeline there to you are really important because other people who we really trust, they become the anchor so that we let ourselves go down and in to the grief. And without knowing that there's an anchor, we won't let go. We really won't let ourselves go there. And so it's really important that you have, you know, a friend, a family member, even a therapist or a trusted mentor, a community of people that really stand for you and are able to remind you of who you really are in those moments where you temporarily forget. This is really, really important because without that, we just, we won't go into it and allow the transformation and allow the opening to happen because grief really is a portal. It's a portal into knowing ourselves deeper. It's a portal into really getting clear on what matters to us because the things that you kind of struggle with the most, or at least that I have when I've gone through grief are the places in me where love wants to grow, but I won't let them. Like I won't let love grow in these places or I won't let that love be spoken in these arenas or in these relationships or in these areas of my life. And so when grief comes, it's amplified. It it really amplifies those areas and highlights it for me to see where the current of love is stuck in my own heart, in my own mind. Because the thing about grief is that it will reveal what's really there. It will also reveal, you know, what is no longer in alignment for you. And, you know, there's, there's many, many ways that we can dance with grief. And if grief is an unfamiliar dance partner for you, there's this beautiful song that I found a few months ago, I think, because really what is time anymore? I don't even know. Um, But it's by Patrick Joni and it's called Glitter. 
And it's a brilliant song. From a songwriting perspective, it's absolute brilliance. Um, I can't play it for you here because I don't have the rights to do so. But I will link the song in the show notes. And do yourself a favor and go listen to it. It has this beautiful, this beautiful way of moving around grief, like literally letting it move. And I'll read you a little bit of the verse and the chorus because it's freaking brilliant. I would attempt to sing this, but as you can probably tell, I still have a little bit of a lingering (laughs) cold and you know, the congestion, it's not cute. It's really not cute when I sing, when I have this going on with my voice. So I'm just going to read you the lyrics and I will post the link to the song so you can listen to it in its entirety. And when you do, like close your eyes, take it in, let the song move you. So part of the verse is we don't get to choose who we get to love or who it is that we're going to lose, or what breaks our hearts in two. But no one really dies if the love remains, because nothing that dies really goes away. See, grief, it's just like glitter. It's hard to brush away. Bright light and still shimmers, like it was yesterday. And it falls like confetti. All of the memories explode like a hand grenade. And it's sweet, and it's bitter. Grief is like glitter. Oh, what a mess it makes. What a mess it makes. And that's the thing about grief. It's messy. And I think that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons, it's messy and it's uncomfortable, that we don't want to go into it. Because we live in a highly sterilized world, a highly manufactured world where these illusions of perfection are everywhere. And these narratives and these beliefs and these ideas that you have to be perfect and pristine to be chosen, to belong, to be loved. Because that's really what all of this nonsense comes down to. You know, all of these manufactured ideas of what it means to be a good man, a good woman, a good person. All of it is made up. And a lot of the time, A lot of that shit is made up not to serve you, not to be in service to the brilliance within you. It's done as a way to keep you contained and to keep you operating at a certain level in which you are more easily influenced, you're more easily marketed to, um, there's, there's a lot going on under the surface there. And, you know, what better way to keep people in an endless loop of buying shit that they don't need, you know, changing their body and altering who they are in order to attempt to achieve this ideal of perfection. What better way to do that than to villainize the mess? The one thing in in life that is a guarantee as a human being is that it will be messy it it's not 
this perfect, pristine, sterile <laughs> experience. Life is rich. Just look at nature. The places in nature where it's barren, that's, you know, the equivalent to this sterile energy. Like nothing can grow there. It's dead space. And the places that are most lush are also wild and messy. And they're beautiful in their landscapes. And one of the ways that human beings really fuck each other over is by making wrong the mess. And if we really want to go another layer deeper, the energetics of the feminine, so this feminine energetic is the mess. It's the unknown. It's, you know, this space, this murky space where, you know, we're not quite sure what's happening. It's the incubator. And when we make the mess wrong, there is this additional layer of being in rejection of the feminine energetic. And we see this, we literally live in a, a paradigm that is ruled by a more patriarchal template. So, you know, this masculine energetic of clean, pristine, precision. And the, listen, there's nothing wrong with those qualities either. But if we are only focused on those and we don't put equal value on their on the counter opposite here, which is mess and you know the unknown and the murkiness, the inward journey, then things get really out of whack, which is where we are collectively. Things are out of whack energetically in a really major way. And, you know, part of this imbalance is the refusal to acknowledge the inherent messiness that it is to be human, you know, and everything is, you know, every single industry, like there's this sinister energy sometimes, like we have to clean this up and make it perfect and pristine. And it's just not relatable. Like people might hook into that originally because, you know, we're being fed this idea that if we're pristine and perfect, then we will belong. And when we're really after belonging, the layer underneath is we're really wanting to be loved and accepted and chosen for our fullness. But you will never be chosen for your fullness if you are not in relationship with your fullness. And being in relationship with your fullness means being in a relationship with the parts of you that are really messy, that are really unknown, that are a little more dark and sinister. And then the parts of you that are pristine, that are clean, that have precision and are forward moving. So we have to have a relationship with both parts of ourselves. Otherwise, we will spend a lot of our life force energy trying to prevent people from seeing the messy bits. Any single scandal that has ever hit the human airwaves, there has been an attempt by the person who's involved in the scandal to avoid bringing forward 
the messy parts of their humanity. The messy parts of the humanity also include the mistakes that we make, that we make wrong. So mistakes are going to happen. You're going to fuck up. You're going to do stupid shit. And then if we try and hide the fact that we have done that, that's when it gets really murky, really messy. But if we take the mistake and we bring it out of the shadow and we claim it, say, yeah, I did that. I did it. It was really fucked up. And this is, you know, what was kind of going on behind the scenes for me. And this is my commitment going forward to transform this, to change this, to be in right relationship here. That is so powerful. And, you know, it's going to take some time for that to become more accepted in the collective. Because right now, mistakes will get you canceled. Mistakes will get you booted out of your social circle, out of your family, potentially, you know, it literally takes you out of even relationship with yourself. So of course, in this day and age where you don't want to piss off the mob and you don't want to say the wrong thing, because, you know, what if, you know, the mob comes after me? then what you do is you put your authenticity on the back burner and you put on this personality, this identity, not the truth of who you are, but a a role that you're going to play. And this role, you know, puts you in this pocket of being more mechanical, being more pristine, you know, overthinking, overanalyzing everything. So it's really mental. It's very intellectual. It's in your head. It's not dropped in the body. And the thing about grief is it will always drop you back into your body. You cannot deny your body when you are being thrashed around by grief. You will feel it, which is you know another reason why we tend to avoid it. Because we're like, being in the body? No. You know, let me stay up here, like in my head where I can overanalyze everything and I have some, you know, semblance of control, which you don't, but like it's the illusion of control when we are really stuck in the mental faculties. And so again, it's that energetic of balancing out the mind with the body, the intellect with the emotions. And for some people, they're really like deep on the emotional side and their logic and reason and their mental faculty is the thing that needs to be strengthened. But for the majority of the population, it's the other way around where we're not in right relationship with our emotions, but we are overly dominant in our intellect and in our mind. And so that also is going to contribute to a resistance to feeling grief fully. And this is why we do embodiment work so that we can start to slowly build a relationship with the body that is coming from a place of being rooted in reality. So we're in any of the embodiment classes that I teach 
like we are practicing attuning to what is alive and true for you in that moment. And can you move with it? Can you stay with it? Even if it's uncomfortable, can you stay with it? So it's really priming everyone who does that work to be able to hold the richness of life, which is, you know, these beautiful breakthrough moments where there's so much love and generosity and yummy warmth moving through. And then it's also the cooler times when there's a lot of heartbreak and grief and turmoil and grittiness and like, it's hard. It's not fair. It's painful. And can we hold both? That's where the mastery is. That's where the relational mastery is. That's where the emotional mastery is, is when you are able to hold both and be equally of approving of both. You can be in approval of the mess. You can be in approval of the pristine elements of who you are. You can be in approval of your emotions and your mind, your body and your intellect. All of it gets to belong. And when we create this beautiful foundation where everything belongs, it makes it so much easier to meet the initiation of grief and to be able to really open into the wisdom that grief holds for us. Because no matter what the circumstance of grief is for you, it will always open you to what is true. Always. And it, like I said already, it will reveal the parts of your life that are no longer in alignment. If you've ever been through like a deep portal of grief, like let's say you've lost, you know, a family member or a friend, like someone close to you has died. Like that is a really special type of grief because it's unrelenting and it'll take you to the bottom. And when you are at the bottom, you only have capacity for the things that are really true. And even the things that are really true, you might not be able to engage with them the ways that you normally would, but it makes it very, very, very clear what what gets to stay. And a lot of the time we fill our life with relationships, with behaviors, even with just stuff in our calendar that really isn't the truest thing that we could be doing. But to be in alignment with the truest thing probably requires some discomfort, some uncomfortable conversations, potentially disappointing people. Like there's the mess that we want to avoid. So what do we do? We overfunction. We people please. We say yes when we really mean no. We fill our calendar with shit that we don't really give a shit about. And we call that a life. And then we wonder why we're not fulfilled. We wonder why we're not happy. Well, because there isn't enough spaciousness for truth and love to move freely 
through you. Those currents are getting buggered up in your system. And so when we go through initiations of grief, it will reveal to us where those blocks are. And those blocks are often the things that you just don't have capacity for anymore. And, you know, one of the things that really gets super clear for me is like my tolerance for bullshit is at an all time low whenever I go through grief. So people are gossiping, talking shit, um, pulling for my attention, um, extracting or at least attempting to extract from my energy. Like I just don't have patience for it. I don't have tolerance for it. So it helps me do another layer of clean out in my relationships. Now, sometimes that will mean physically just removing people out of my life. In other circumstances, it will require a upgrade conversation where I reveal the standard, the need, the boundary, and give them an opportunity to upgrade to meet me there. And if they don't, then they get moved out. Um, it also gives me an opportunity to reevaluate what I'm doing with my life and how I'm investing my time and my creative life force energy. Because really the only thing that I do have control over in this crazy fucking world is where I invest my life force energy and how I tend to my life force energy. So do I create an internal environment for my life force energy that allows it to thrive? Or am I creating a lot of compression in my body, a lot of blocks in my body? And then I look at my life. Am I doing the same thing? Is there a lot of spaciousness for my life force energy to move and create? Or there are a lot of blockades there. And if there's a lot of blockades, grief will make those so clear. And when you're in the down of grief, that's not the time to clean it up. When you're in the down of grief, that's the time to just notice. Notice where those areas are. And then when you come up out of grief and you're not in the down down anymore, and you're riding those waves of like some days are really okay and you laugh again and you feel love again and you know and then you have days that are harder and then you're riding that current when you're in that phase that's when you can begin to address this stuff piece by piece and so really grief even though it's messy even though it it takes us to the bottom Ultimately, it's this invitation into simplifying not only what we're doing in life, but simplifying our relationship to ourselves and our relationship to each other and our relationship to the world around us and cleaning up anything that is incongruent with the free flow of love and truth. So anything that's incongruent with love will be very, very, very obvious in a portal of grief. And so, you know, when you are in the down, it is so important to really take care of you. So this is nourishment. Like you probably find that when you're in the down of grief, there's not a lot of energy. 
And that's because there's this big alchemical process happening in your system. And if you allow it to happen, you allow it to move through your channel, you will come through more expanded in love. You literally will have more capacity to love. Where it shrinks our capacity to love is when we clamp down and we try and control and force and restrict the flow of the grief. So we, we actually prevent the initiation from happening. And this can happen in many ways, but one of the most common ways is just denial of grief and going on like nothing has changed. And I definitely have done that in my past. And so if that's where you're at, there's a reason that that coping mechanism is running and it's worth investigating. It absolutely is. And don't do that alone. That's an investigation that requires support and someone who is equipped to walk that path. So again, it doesn't have to be a therapist, although a grief therapist is a great idea. Um, It can just be a mentor or someone who has walked through the initiation of grief. People who have never gone through the initiation of grief cannot hold space for a grief initiation in the same way that someone who's been through it can. You know, and this is why it's so important that we open up about the messiness. (laughs) We open up about our humanity and that being human means shit's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging sometimes. And if we share those experiences with each other, we're generous with our experiences in that way. It helps other people not feel so alone when they are called into their grief initiations. And each grief portal will be a different initiation for you. It will open something new. And, you know, with all of the grief maybe that you haven't felt in your past, it doesn't all come up at once. The body is so freaking intelligent. It really is. Like, I sit in awe of how intelligent the human body system is every single day. Like, it, it, like just ponder it. You know, after this podcast, do a little ponder of how miraculous your body actually is. And the fact that it operates the way that it does without being commanded to do so, there's an intelligence that runs through your human system. And it's extraordinary. And if we lose sight of that, then we might try and hide the parts that really make us human. And I know personally, that the people who have revealed their messiness to me in a way where they're not dumping onto me and they're not pulling for my attention. So that can happen where someone learns the language of vulnerability. And if you've done any degree of embodiment work, you can feel this and it, it makes your skin crawl. 
when people do this shit where they use their vulnerability to try and hook you into relationship. So they're not actually revealing an opening in their vulnerability. They're still closed. They're still gripped, but they're like, Ooh, this is a good story that I know will like play on people's heartstrings. So if I just say this, it'll look like I have been through the portal, but you haven't. And this is why it's so important to be doing body work, to be doing embodiment work, because it helps you discern who has really gone through the portal and gone through their initiations and come through that. And then the people who just talk about it, but haven't actually gone through the full layers of that initiation. There's a difference. And, you know, people who haven't gone through the full initiations tend to be really good marketers. You know, whether they're, you know, professionals or not, like humans know how to market themselves. And we know how to hook each other's attention. We know how to play on people's soft spots. We know, we know what to say to get approval, to get attention, to get validation. And that's very different than opening into the truth of your vulnerability and revealing what it took to move through those initiations of grief, what it took to sit in the murkiness and, you know, the, the helplessness and the terror of not knowing is this feeling this sensation ever going to come to an end? And is there even a light at the end of the tunnel? Because all I see is darkness right now. You want those people who have sat in that, who have moved through the murky parts of their human, and somehow they have come through that experience. They come through the down, and they're like, wait, whoa, I can feel myself in a way more intimate way. Huh. Like I just learned how to be with myself and hold myself through something that was really fucking hard, really scary. It literally shattered my heart in a million pieces. And I thought I was going to die because the pain was so big. And yet piece by piece, step by step, I wove these pieces back together and came through the other side. I just wrote a song um, recently about, you know, when you go through grief and you think that, you know, a person has broken you and they've really just broken you open. And you know, the things that you think are totally broken, love puts back together and literally turns you into something better. The song is called Something Better, and I'm very excited for that one to to come out <laughs> um, because it's it's such a beautiful message of, you know, these experiences are going to happen. This is the risk you take when you love. And so many people don't want to risk 
love because they don't want to feel pain because they literally haven't been initiated by grief yet. So they're afraid of what's going to happen. And this is why, you know, there's going to be people in your life, I promise you, who have gone through this initiation and come through the other side, truer versions of themselves. They've come through the other side more open, more hopeful. Like this is the kind of the hallmark of someone who has actually completed a grief initiation is that they aren't jaded by love. They're not jaded by life. They aren't afraid to love. The people who have gone through grief initiations are the ones who are willing to love, even though they know, whether it's by choice or by death, that relationship will end. But they are still willing to open into it. Those are the people who you want to keep close in your life. Maybe you are one of those people. And if you are one of those people, it is such a great gift and such a generous move to continue to reveal your story, to share your heart, to remind people that when they are in the down, it is not forever, but it is for now. Like It doesn't help people to try and take them out of their reality. You know, it, this, and that's what people do when they're uncomfortable with grief because they haven't been through their own initiations. They try and bring someone who is in a really dark place or in a really sad place and they try and pull them out of it because they can't stay with them. That's the key. Someone who has been through their grief initiations can stay with you. They don't need to change you. They can be with you and they understand what's happening. Because they understand what's happening, they can hold the line. They can hold the container. Now, there is always going to be a point in time where, you know, if, we, if we're not moving through the initiation, then there might be a little you know, instigation that has to happen to get the energy moving again. Because sometimes when we, especially if we've been really starved for love and we go through a grief initiation and we're really in kind of that dark, you know, more tender place. So think of it like a garden, like you're in the soil when you're in grief, like it's dark and it's nutrient dense, but it's dark and it's messy, and it's muddy, and it's mucky. And depending who you have around you, that might get you a lot of attention. And if you are not used to having love-filled attention and care, you're not used to be taking, like you're just not used to being taken care of, and your heart's not used to that. So there's a, a hungry ghost that's living inside of you. And that hungry ghost will try and feed off of the attention and the patience and the compassion and the care and the consideration of those who are holding, you know, this period of time with you. But the thing about someone who, again, has gone through their grief initiation is they know when the limit is. 
They know when that's no longer serving someone. And that's when there will be a little push, <laughs> a little nudge, like, hey, we're, we can't marinate in this forever. You got to keep moving through the initiation. Because if you don't keep moving through the initiation, you're going to get stuck here. And if you get stuck here and you start to develop an identity around your wounds and your pain, it's not going to lead you into that extraordinary love and you know the relational dream in your heart. It's just not going to take you there. So there is this fine line that we have to be mindful of both ourselves as the people who grieve and then at times when we are the ones holding space for the people that we love who are grieving. We have to know where that line is. And again, like until you go through this initiation, you won't know. It's impossible. It's impossible to know something without experiencing it when it comes to the alchemical domain. And when it comes to the emotional and relational mastery domains. And so these are things that you just want to keep on your radar. And if you're not in a portal of grief right now, this is a good time to do inventory on your life. You know, as best you can, take a look. Like, do I have people in my life that if, you know, my life just took a turn tomorrow and I was plummeted into a grief initiation. Who are the people that I could trust to have by my side through that? Who are the people in my life that I know have gone through their own grief initiations and actually gone through them? They didn't try and get over the grief. They went through the grief and they've come through the other side and they are more open. They are more present. They are more jovial. They are willing to lean into love again. They're willing to lean into life. It's like you get a whole new lease on life when you come through a grief portal. Because there is this inevitable moment after you've kind of got through that sticky stage of, oh, I might be milking this. <laughs> I might be like over-identifying with being collapsed or like being in this pain place. Like, oh, I see what I'm doing there. Okay, let me keep moving through that. So what wants to come through me? What is being asked of me? Like, what is next? You have to ask yourself these questions. And it will get revealed to you and you just have to keep walking that path. And once you're through that initial, like that final little bump in the initiation process, then what opens is this whole new lease on life where there is this depth to you where you're like, I feel the tenderness of what it means to be human. I understand the fragileness of being human. I understand the fleeting nature of life. And because I understand this on such a deep somatic embodied level why wouldn't I want to use every moment I have left in service to love in service to life and so this this switch goes off 
and we take this life force energy that we have and we begin investing it in ways that really serve love, that serve truth and serve life. And when we have gone through that initiation, we look back and we're like, whoa, whoa. The wisdom that is embedded in grief is extraordinary. It is one of those emotions and those experiences that we can talk about it, but there it's so big that there aren't actual words in the human English language that fully capture the energetic essence here. But you will know. You will know once you've gone through it. And you will know, um, you know, when you've had those moments of touching grief and feeling there's a richness there. There's a density there, but there's a richness to that. Think of it like the most rich and nutrient-dense soil. That's grief. And you have to rummage around in there. Grief will literally plant these seeds of love inside of you. And then it requires you to go through the initiation in order to provide those seeds with the conditions that they need to sprout. And once you have done that, when you're through that portal, then they begin to sprout. And that's where we look back and we're like, we see this beautiful garden, this beautiful lush garden growing in this place that was once so barren and empty and sad and sullen. And we now look back and we see this rich tapestry of life that is thriving there. We can't help be and be moved by the extraordinary nature of grief. And, you know, it will always bring you back to your heart. It will always open more capacity if you allow that. You have to be willing to go through the initiation. And if you are willing, you will be guided. The right mentors, the right teachers, the right resources, the right experiences will show up exactly when you need them to. And, you know, there's the willingness on your part is the thing that sets all of this in motion because it's inevitable. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you've never done any personal development or relational development or embodiment work or alchemical work, it doesn't matter. You aren't above experiencing the initiations of what it means to be human. And one of those initiations is grief. It's loss. And can we stay open while our hearts are breaking? That is the big question. That is the big invitation. Can you stay open? while your heart is breaking. So we're playing with this energy of like expansion, contraction, and polarity in the body and being able to hold these contrasting experiences where these seemingly opposite energies are being held with each other at the same time. 
that is mastery. That is emotional and relational mastery. And grief will teach you how to do that. If you let it. If you let it open you, it will. So I think that's, uh, okay, so that was a much longer episode than I thought it was going to be. Um, just a couple practical elements on grief. If you are currently going through a grief portal, don't overthink it. If you are in the down, if you are in that initial phase of the grief that is taking you right to the bottom, the only priority at this point is making sure that you are well rested and that you are well nourished and well hydrated and that you move your body in really gentle ways that are within the range of your capacity. So for some people, that might mean some light stretching. That might mean, you know, some yoga. For other people, that might mean doing some embodiment work or maybe just going for a walk. But make sure you're moving the body. Otherwise, all of that energy that's being churned up through your grief has nowhere to go. Like there's nowhere for that energy to move and it needs to move. So you don't need to be doing like intense workouts every day. I would not recommend that. But I would recommend gentle movement, whether that's a gentle yin practice, some gentle embodiment sessions, some nonlinear movement, or simply walking, going for walks and just moving that energy. And then the rest of the time, making sure that you're nourished. Because in order to sustain the full initiation there, the body needs what it needs. And I know myself, whenever I go through a deep grief portal, I kind of lose my appetite. So I don't really want to eat. So there is this simplification that's happening with my diet as well. But I do a lot of broths, I do a lot of soups, I do a lot of smoothies or juices so that I'm still getting nutrients into my system so that my body and my brain have what it needs to go through the rest of the journey here. Otherwise, when we're undernourished, there is a higher likelihood that we get hooked into mental loops that really stir up a lot of agitation. So if your body is well nourished and you're sleeping to the best of your ability and you're hydrated and you're moving, that will create the internal conditions that are more harmonious to be able to go through the layers of this initiation and not get caught in those mental loops that, you know, really fuck you up. So just be mindful of that. Um, if you are in a current, you know, grief portal, if you know someone who is going through a grief portal, do your best to make sure that they are nourished, that they are resting. Um, something that is so lovely within my community is that we, you know, we literally care for each other. We'll bring over food. We'll bring over nourishment. Um, I've had girlfriends offer to come over and literally do my laundry or clean my house when I'm in a pocket like that. And those types of things 
are what we need. We need community and support in that way. So if that is something that you have the capacity to do for a friend or a family member who is going through their own grief initiation, that is a very generous thing to do that does really go a long ways. Um, yeah, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. Like grief is not easy for us to talk about as a culture, like, and by culture, I mean like a human collective here. <laughs> like, generally speaking, humans aren't the best at this. And, you know, when we start to open on a community level, so in our family systems, in our friendship circles, that's where this begins. It begins with the people that are closest to you. We don't change the collective by failing to address what's happening on the community level, on the family systems level, on the social circle levels. And so if we start there, we start with ourselves, we start with our social circle, we start with our family and our community, and we begin to infiltrate those spaces with these new codes of love and these invitations to be fully human, the invitation to be messy. Sometimes if you have a friend that's going through grief, reminding them that it's okay to be in their full range to be messy and that even though things are really hard for them that you can hold it. You know, it's very similar to what a child would need to hear when they're dysregulated. They need to know that their parent or their caregiver can remain regulated in the face of their dysregulation so that there is some degree of safety that is anchored there. And so when we know that the people around us can hold it and they're they're okay, then we can surrender and open and go into it a little deeper. So giving that reassurance, reminding your friends that it's okay, your family members, that it's okay to fall apart. It's okay for them to be feeling all the things that they're feeling and that, you know, you are really clear about the ways in which you can show up for them. Don't overpromise. Don't go in there and try and be a savior and try and rescue them from their grief, but just let them know that these are the things that I can do right now to really be there for you. And don't say to them, like, call me if you need anything. They're not going to. But if you say, you know what, I know this is a really tough time and I'm just going to keep checking in with you if that's okay, because I know it's, it would be tough for you to pick up the phone and be like, ah, I'm not okay, but I'll keep reaching out if that's okay with you and just checking in every couple days. And if you have an SOS, you can just text me that and I'll know to circle in. And so it becomes this relational experience. Grief is really relational. We've forgotten that as a human collective. So we need to bring it back in through our relationships, the relationship we have with ourselves, the relationship we have with the people that we love most. And as we code this in, we repattern it into our relationships. It impacts and influences 
in ripples in ways that are unimaginable. It ripples in all directions of time. It changes the pathway and the frequency and the, po- the pathways of possibility for all generations that come after you. When you carve in this way, when you show up differently, when you allow yourself to go through the initiations of grief, and then you also become one of those stewards of grief where you're able to show up and be with people in a way that really serves them in bravely stepping into the initiation for themselves. So that is, uh, that's where I'm going to leave it today. If you found this episode helpful, please, please share it on your social media or share it with someone who you think would really get a lot out of the conversation today. And if you want to come and digest it further, you can come over to the Quantum Love membership. It is $22 a month. And we do deeper explorations into the podcast episodes. Sometimes I throw in extra content in there and I put in quantum love workbooks every month. And starting in May, we will be doing a Q&A session only for the members of the quantum love membership. So if you'd like to get in on that, you can head to the show notes and All of the information and links are there. And I will also put the link to the song by Patrick Droney, Glitter, in the show notes. Do yourself a favor. Go listen to it. It's extraordinary. And then circle back and let me know what you thought. I love you all so very much. Thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. And I will talk to you all next week, if not sooner. Bye, friends.